I am the vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. We are beginning this year thinking about what it means to be fruitful because this is our year to do just that. We want to be fruitful people in the year ahead. And so today's passage that comes from John is probably the one, uh, or one of the ones at least, that we would be inclined to think of when we think about bearing fruit. And yet, I'm not sure that we always get exactly what it is Jesus is saying here. And so you would expect I might uh, see some things in this text that would help point us toward fruitfulness in the year ahead. And the very first thing we need to see is where Jesus begins. When he says, I am the vine, he then immediately says, God is the vine grower. The first thing that Jesus wants us to recognize is that God is the creator of everything. God creates the vineyard. God creates the vine. God creates the people. God creates the fruit. God is the source of everything. It is not that much different than the message I kept putting before us during the Christmas season that God is about unconditional love. That when we think of God as the, the vine grower, the vineyard owner, what person plants a garden and then says, but I sure hope that squash doesn't live. I can't wait to get rid of the onions. You, you don't do that. You, you plant, you, you, you create something and you want it to do well. You want it to flourish. You want it to thrive. And so the first word that Jesus is saying in this text is, God loves you, God cares for you, God is providing for you, and God wants you to flourish. And not only each of us, it's basically saying that God is the gardener, is the creator of, of the universe. God loves everything and everyone cares for it, provides for it, wants it to flourish. That is the first word that we get here. And if you hear nothing else in this sermon, it's always worth repeating. You are loved by God. You are cared for. You are provided for. And God intends for each and everyone and everything to have life in that abundantly. 
You know, that's a really important word to put in place because a lot of people look at this passage and they hear this part about pruning. You know, if you're not producing good fruit, you're going to be locked off. Which, you know, people will then say, see, God's going to destroy the bad stuff. No, if you have ever pruned anything, you're not destroying it. You prune it to give it that opportunity to grow and to flourish and to bear fruit. I mean, it, it, it's this sign, once again, of the love of God at work that sometimes pruning takes place, but only for the sake of more life to emerge. Now, once we have this in place, then we move to this next thing where Jesus is saying, you know, I'm divine, you are the branches. Right? Here I am, a branch, and there are all these other branches, and I can see some of the other branches, but there are hundreds of branches, all connected to the vine. And it is this image of the connectedness of all things, connectedness of all things in God, but the connectedness of all things to each other. You know, let's go back to this idea that you're you're putting in your garden. Now, I know some of you do and others are like, I would never touch the outdoors. So, but let's just imagine, right? So, there's a lot you have to do. I mean, you, you have to till the soil and plant your seeds and you have to weed and you have to water and you have to do all those things. But guess what? You didn't create the soil. You didn't create the sun. How good is that garden going to grow without the sun? And even beyond that, you know, you didn't, you didn't create the hose or the water that's coming through the hose. There are all these things that are part of the network of the earth and other people that God has created that we just sort of ignore. It's my garden. And yet none of that would take place without everything else that God has provided. Uh, uh, just think about, uh, you know, whether you're at home today or you're here, uh, you know, did you make the clothes or the pajamas that you are wearing right now? Did you make your shoes? What about your car? Your car, did you make it? We forget how woven together we are in this world and how much we need one another and and everything that God has provided on the earth to flourish. It's not that we aren't connected. It's not even that we aren't connected to God, because God tells us, I'm with you always. God is never withdrawing from us. God's, God's always right there. It's, it's we who are the problem. We can't see God. We can't see the connections. We come to this point where we think, you know, I'm self-sufficient. It's all about me. Hmm. And that is exactly the fundamental human problem. You want to talk about the problem of sin? The real problem of sin is that it's all about me. I can't see the way I'm connected. I can't see the way God is providing. I can't see that I need other people. Everything is about me, my opinion, my way of seeing the world, my this, my that, when in fact, the whole time is about God having created and providing and loving, and we just can't see it. I think about Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Scales, he's blinded, and then he what? Comes to see 
the way he is connected and loved. Uh, some of you may have seen the movie Nomadland, uh, which is a movie where the main character, Fern, has lived her whole life in this small town in Nevada, mining town, with her husband. But then her husband dies, and the mine closes. And within six months, the whole town has shut down because without the mine, there is no employment. So Fern has lost her husband. She's lost her home. She's lost her friends. She's lost her employment. And and she decides to buy and live in a van. And then she travels for seasonal employment because she's in her 60s and nobody really wants to hire her. So she works Amazon Warehouse at Christmas or the beet harvest in Nebraska in the fall or or uh, she's a camp host in the summertime. Now, I think this movie is less about the economic hardships of these nomads, as they call them, who live in vans and trailers and so on. The movie is more about Fern and the grief that she has over all her losses. Fern feels disconnected. She feels rootless. She feels like she does not belong anywhere or with anyone. And as a result, this living as a nomad seems to represent exactly how she's feeling. But but the thing about this movie, and, and if you only like action-packed movies, this is not a movie for you. <laughs> you watch Fern, and at least four times in the movie, Someone who cares for her deeply invites her to come and live with them in the home. And instead she gets back in the van and drives away. Her friend, another nomad by the name of Swanky. Swanky is always telling her about the awe she has at God's creation at swallows on the hillside or a family of moose or she'll be talking to Fern and she'll go, oh wow, I see something neat. And she points to the sunset. She sees the hand of God in nature and Fern has all these beautiful, incredible natural scenes in front of her and it is like somehow Fern cannot see how she's connected to people. She can't see how she's connected to God and to the earth that surrounds her. You see, it's not that Fern isn't deeply connected. It's just that she can't see it. And in fact, that is so important in our spiritual lives. That's what we talk about, the eyes to see, the the capacity to see God, the capacity to be present. You see, when Jesus makes this statement, you know, twice he goes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I am the vine, you're the branches. But then he says this, abide in me, or maybe remain in me. Now, if you stop and think about it, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Uh, the Greek word here is meno, and we, we try not to use the word abide because 
Have you ever used the word abide? I mean, I don't know in my lifetime I've ever said, hey, will you abide with me for a little bit? It's just weird. The only, you know, uh, Colleen, will you come and abide with us for a little bit? No! What is that? Um, the only time in my life that I could recall anybody using that word abide was when I was in seminary 25, 30 years ago. We were having some discussion about a new method of biblical interpretation or something, you know, like you do in seminary. And this woman, <laughs> this woman looks up and she goes, Yes, but if that's true, then then taken to the logical conclusion is something that I cannot abide. And I'm like, what are you, Queen Victoria? I mean, what is that I cannot abide? We don't talk that way. We don't use words like abide. Though we do say, biding my time. And that might be getting closer to it. And so because that word is weird, most translations will use the word remain. Remain with me, he says. But a branch can't walk away from the vine. A branch can't physically remove itself. I mean, do I really have a choice to walk away if I'm if I am a branch connected to the vine? So Jesus has to mean something else than physical presence. And in fact, this Greek word meno, in two of the Gospels, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is in agony, and he says, stay with me, remain with me. He's saying, meno, with me. They don't leave physically, do they? They fall asleep. In other words, Jesus is saying, see and be present. Be aware. Be conscious. Pay attention. That is the meaning. Pay attention to the fact that you are connected to the vine. You can take your mind anywhere you want to take it. You can forget that God is at work. You can forget that God is the vine grower. You can forget about all of that, but it doesn't mean That God is not still there loving, sustaining, and seeking for us to flourish. You see, the heart of being fruitful is, is being aware that God is at work, of seeing that God is doing things, calling us, asking us, connected to us, connected to others. If we can see it and live into those connections. You know, I think one of the reasons that missions sometimes go wrong is we have this idea that to be fruitful is to go and do this thing. But we get this idea that somehow we are taking Jesus to them. You know, like like we have the Ark of the Covenant and we're carrying it. Here's Jesus! We're bringing Jesus to you. When in fact, what Jesus is saying right here is they're connected to the vine. They're part of the vineyard that God has created. The only problem is they can't see it. And our job is for us 
to live in a way where we're aware of God. We see God. We are connected to the earth and to others. And we, in turn, help others to see who God is. To see that God loves them. That God is caring for them. That God is providing for them. And yes, that God wants them to live and abundantly. Being fruitful begins with that basic spiritual principle that we have to learn to see. The way that God has woven us together and asks us to live as if we are important to one another and this earth matters. That is how we bear good fruit. How the world becomes that garden that God has created. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.